Welcome back to Beauty Uncovered by Olaplex, your expert guide to beauty, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Danielle Frank, and on today's episode... Human condition is to focus on what is not, what we don't have, what are we seeking, what are we going towards, and that's okay, that can be very adaptive. When we talk about transformation and using the time when you're single, even if you're very much on the path to trying to find a partner... So my friends, how many of you are going to celebrate Galentine's Day at the end of the week? Don't know what that is? That's okay. I actually didn't know what it was a couple of years ago, uh, but I have educated myself. So let me tell you all about it. In 2010, there was an episode in Parks and Recreation. The main character, Leslie Nope, had her closest lady friends come together on February 13th to have a brunch of appreciation. It was ladies celebrating ladies. Honestly, if you have a chance, go look it up on YouTube. It's both sweet and mildly neurotic. (laughs) Since then, it has been one of the most recognizable fake holidays out there. There's even cards about it in your local store. So I feel like personally, the female appreciation or friend appreciation, whether you're single or not, is just amazing. And it should be celebrated all year round. I mean, I'm all about the brunches, thank you very much. But why the day before Valentine's Day? I mean, I think we all know why. It's because Valentine's Day is all about love and appreciation, hearts and flowers, and really all the stuff that women would appreciate. But it's reserved for the couples, or at least the couples that have a significant other that chooses to acknowledge it, which is not always the case. Well, today we are talking to Dr. Nilu Dardashti, who is a licensed psychologist and a board-certified holistic health practitioner. Hello, I'm very excited to be here with you today. I am excited to have a conversation about Galentine's Day. I know that we had talked a little bit about it beforehand, and it's kind of a new concept for you. A lot of people are really into it. I have a philosophy about it that really the day, because it's the day before Valentine's day. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's more about single women. So I think that when it comes to celebrating with single women, I mean, you're an incredible expert. I've I've seen a lot of your articles that were written and I want to get a little bit of your feedback about what is so great about being single. Well, I think for everybody, there is great things about being single. There's potentially great things about being partnered if you want to be. But I'm astounded at how being single still has sort of like sometimes a stigma attached to it. Being single is the greatest opportunity to connect with yourself, the greatest opportunity to really reflect and really sort of dig in and get in touch with your authenticity. Because when you're with someone In part, I will just say this, like the main thing that comes to my mind and for for everybody could be different, especially in the beginning phases, sort of preoccupied with how you are coming across to that other, right? Rather than just simply sort of really intentionally connected to who am I? What's authentic for me? What do I want? What do I need? I think that's an interesting dynamic because I, as someone that was 
you know, once upon a time married for 21 years, I did go through a period after that, where I really felt as though I had to reconnect with things that were important to me. It felt as though it was somewhat lost. Yeah. We become a we instead of an I, Mm -hmm. and there's great things about that. And it has the potential to really sort of cultivate a detachment from me. Mm. Who am I? Some of the things that I think are very interesting is that during that time that we are in a relationship, and I'm not saying this is everybody, please, everybody understand that's not, you know, everybody. I'm actually speaking from my own personal experience. There is a lack of personal development, right? And a lack of creativity uh, because we're in this business of a relationship. I, what would you tell to someone that is newly single and they're really trying to find their way through all this? What would be the first steps for them to do to really fall in love with themselves? That's a good question. I don't know if I would identify it as falling in love with yourself. Not that that's a bad thing, because the reason is because I think even though that's like sort of this idealized thing that we want to do, love yourself, be in love with yourself. It's really hard for people to actually take that and conceptually, it's like understandable, but it's really hard to take it and internalize that and really Mm feel that. I think it's about tapping into compassion and empathy for yourself. We talk a lot about empathy for other people, but what does that mean in context of you and empathy Mm -hmm. for yourself? And that in you that has hurt and been, been pained and sort of gone through whatever it is you've gone through that's brought you to where you're at now, Mm -hmm. in your childhood, in your young adulthood, in your adulthood, you know, micro traumas, just we sort of have this lack of empathy and compassion for ourselves. And we try to have with other people, it just doesn't come as naturally, interestingly. And so sort of asking yourself, how would I respond to to my friend that I love, or my family member, if it was them? And where is that vulnerable part of me that feels the need for love and support and compassion and empathy and connection? And how can I feed that part of me? And that's an act of empathy. That's an act of compassion. It's interesting because I think to myself, you know, with the whole concept of Valentine's Day, again, women coming together, in many ways, we have more empathy for our friends and more of a show of love than we do for each other. I can see where that could be a very powerful moment. Very powerful. We, We sort of tend to judge ourselves more and critique ourselves more. Mm-hmm. And most people have a spectrum of the sort of inner critic, as we say, that's sort of watching and like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Or why do you feel that way? Why are you act? You know, why are you just not able to let this go? Oh, I should just be able to let this go. You know, the whole shooting on yourself. <laughs> it's just so pervasive. Yes. And so kind of like uh, my favorite thing to use with people. And that's just, you know, again, another one of those things that you can conceptualize more easily than you can internalize and actually apply. But with, with working on it, you can is mindfulness and acceptance. And with the idea of mindfulness, we just sort of watch instead of judge we just sort of label, oh, there's that way that I just like get hard on myself. 
there's that thing that I do. What would it look like if I was coming at this from a place of love, acceptance, compassion? I hear a lot about mindfulness and Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of different things where they say, be present in the moment, whatever. And I, I find it very (laughs) difficult. Must be this ADHD brain, but but I mean, how would one, I mean, sort of like, I guess you would just have to pump the brakes and be able to be in that moment in order to practice mindfulness more fluidly, right? Well, actually vice versa. Mindfulness will help you to start being in the moment more. So mindfulness doesn't have to be like a sitting meditation practice. You just be, you know, standing in line, you're pissed off that you're waiting and you're just standing there. Ah, let me use this as an opportunity to use some mindfulness. So mindfulness is about getting in touch with all your senses at the same time. So I usually start people out with a exercise where I have them go through literally just feeling their feet planted on the ground, connecting to the to the ground just so that you can come back into your body from sort of being frazzled all over the place, which we all are on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Just come back, feel your feet planted, go through all of the parts of your body, feel what it feels like to sit against your chair, to be surrounded by whatever you're surrounded by, your senses, your smell, your touch, your hearing, your sight. I always say, if you look around your the room you're in, you'll always find something that you didn't notice yesterday. And no, that's very true. That's yeah, very true. And it'll brighten your vision, I tell you. I mean, you'll suddenly look around, ah, everything looks brighter. Funny you're saying this because I, I think there was a point in my life where things were really, really difficult. And I remember going for a walk with my dog. And I was like million thoughts going through my head. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to observe and take note of the color of the sky and then the trees and the leaves Mm. and the grass and the way that my dog's fur looked. And I wasn't anything more than just being present in what was surrounding me in that moment. And all of a sudden the colors were brighter. Everything was so vibrant. It was beautiful. Like I try to do that. I can't say I'm that great with <laughs> it's so hard to apply it. It's so much easier said than done. Mm. But if you could just take that and just apply it to one minute of your day, whether you're sitting on the train, standing in line, taking a walk, waiting to pay for something at the store, having an interaction with with someone at the store on the street, and take a moment to really be present. And eventually, after some practice, all of your senses, you will be able to do that in one New York second. Mm. Become aware of all your senses at once and your thoughts. Ah, there's that way that my mind is just going on and on and on, thinking about what I did at this party, what I said, how I could have said this better. So I feel as though like when we are in that situation where we are either suddenly single or, you know, we've been single for a little while. One of the things I think this was in a previous conversation that we were talking about, that it's an opportunity for transformation and taking these little pieces of self-care and really working on the internals, of course, is really important. But what would you say is a true transformation for someone in that at that time? Is it disconnecting from the we and becoming more connected with yourself? Or is it a little bit more external, you know, going on adventures, being more ambitious? Ambitious depends on what it means for you. Ambitious for one person might be 
letting go of attachment to things. Ambitious for another person might be career goals, you know, ambition. So ambition and goals can be really closely related. I think creativity is a huge piece of transformation. So what does it mean to you and how do you bring creativity to your life? Because when you start to tap into your creativity, it creates a part of you. It it sort of taps into that part of you that is alive, that has the need to feel alive, to feel joy. So again, creativity is different for each person. It is hard. I have people in my life that will sit there and tell me I'm not a creative person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm all about numbers or words. I don't know, but they say they're not creative, Mm -hmm. but is that just a lack of a connection to it? Or is that, you know, some people are just not hardwired for that. Well, I bet if you really think about it, you would be able to come up with something that you enjoy that involves creativity. Even, Mm. even having ideas, even coming up with ideas, right? Even this conversation is creative. True. My dad was a computer analyst and he was all about the zeros and ones and then just whatever. But I saw the creativity that was in that very analytical thing. But I think that that's something that's really interesting. So creativity trumps a little bit more of the ambition, though. I mean, ambition, like you said, can be fluid. One could be ambitious to be more creative, (laughs) but from there, I sit there and I think, you know, we have people that are again, trying to celebrate that time where they can reconnect with themselves. But in the same breath, it's hard, you know, sometimes not being in that relationship or having someone in your relationship that, or in a relationship with you that has an appreciation for you, that you're in it with them. So what would you say to people that are trying to, they're working on themselves, but they're sitting there wondering, well, what is going on? I can't seem to connect with someone and here's Valentine's coming up and I feel very unloved. Yeah. And you can do both, right? The, on the journey, you can have the intention to meet someone and have a partner that you have a strong connection with and even make all the efforts to do it. And in the meantime, rather than focusing on what's not there, focusing on what is there, because what's going to happen when it is there is after a while, you're going to say, oh, I really miss those days when I was single. And I had all the time to just focus on myself. And there was so much freedom in that. And there was just, I felt so free. That's kind of the nature of human existence and the human condition is to focus on what is not, what we don't have. What are we seeking? What are we going towards? And that's okay. That can be very adaptive. But we talk about transformation and using the time when you're single, even if you're very much on the path to trying to find a partner, but doing both simultaneously is definitely very possible. I'm going to do all of the things I have to do to get me towards, to take me towards meeting someone. And I'm going to ha- set that intention that I want to meet this kind of person who's going to give me this, this, and that, that I'm going to offer this, this, and that to. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to focus on my own transformation. And that could be very, also very different for individual people. Mm. So for one person, transformation might involve a lot of spiritual sort of experience or endeavors. For another, it might just be more psychological, more Mm. just mind oriented and getting to know your mind, your heart, what have you. Some people can't or don't want to connect with the idea of getting in touch with my spirit. I don't want to get into a whole heady dialogue about that. 
No, but I think there's a lot of people that can understand both dual the duality of it and and also both in their lives or or individually. Yeah, and we respect everyone where they're at with that. So either way, I think I'm biased, but being in some sort of therapy is always helpful for for that sort of being able to start questioning things and reflect and cultivate that which you want to. It's hard to do that all that stuff on your own. That being said, there are a lot of things you can do on your own. Personally, I think everybody should have a therapist just like they have a GP, because I do think whether you have good things going in your life or bad things going in your life, um, it's a good checkup. You know, (laughs) it's a good checkup. But, you know, the other thing is, and I will say this, I'm going to get a lot of flack for it, but I feel like some of the ways that some therapists practice in terms of you either have this weekly slot with me or you don't have a therapist. I don't agree with that. Mm. Personally, I know a lot of therapists who don't. I think it should be a revolving door thing where you're doing well. Great. You've worked on your goals in therapy. And now two years later or two months later, something comes up, you want to iron it out. You call your therapist. You know what I mean? No, Um, I, I agree. A lot of people tell me they feel pressure to either commit to sort of a weekly spot or not have that therapist at all. And that's unfortunate. I actually uh, make it a point to teach my boys that they should have maybe quarterly (laughs) check-ins. Like, you know, you don't have to, but it kind of like, you know, getting your teeth cleaned or, you know, whatever you have that quarterly check-in, make sure everything is like going good. You know, especially as a young person, you're, you have a lot of stuff going on in life and, a lot of challenges you're suddenly put in front of you. So I do think that's really important. So let me ask you, when it comes to, again, something that you said that kind of caught me, because I've been seeing, now granted, I am a woman that's nearly 50 years old, divorced, and uh, that that whole, a lot of people my generation never want to get married again, never want to do that uh, cohabitation again, whatever. But I'm also now seeing a lot of younger women as well, but yet we want the relationship, but yet we want our independence. How do we create this balance with that? I hear this a lot. (laughs) I don't know. I hear it a lot. I just feel as though the world is a lot different than it was say 20, 30, 40 years ago. Women have um, a lot more than they did before. You know, they have a lot more, they have their careers, their families, their friends, and it's just a different dynamic when it comes to being in a relationship. So I guess it's trying to figure out the balance of being in a relationship because it does, it's, I'm not saying that you can't have your individuality but that independence is not necessarily there as well. How do you balance that to those two? First off, what does balance mean to you? Mm. Right. For some, for one woman, it, they might not need as much of that alone time apart from the relationship as someone else might. Right. So I think consistently asking yourself, do I feel balanced? And if not, what feels off? What am I not getting enough of to feel what balance is for me? Oh, I need more alone time or, oh, I need more time with my friends or, oh, I need more date nights. I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, we're sort of, we're, we're always home with the kids. We're not really getting enough alone time. 
whatever it is that would make you feel like there's yin and yang, right? Whatever yin is to you, whatever yang is to you. And feeling like that puzzle is complete of filling yourself up with that which is fulfilling for you aside from the relationship and feeling connected to your partner at the same time. I think that's where it goes back to the time that you were single and really taking the time to kind of connect with yourself and understanding who you are. Because if you don't have a strong anchor in that and you're getting into a relationship, you can get very sucked into somebody else's expectations. And get lost again in some repeating, reenacting dynamic that keeps happening again and again. And you wonder, what's why am I feeling so lost? even when I'm in a relationship. So I do, I do strongly encourage people to have that connection to themselves, A, before getting into a really heavy relationship and B, while they're in that relationship. I also have heard the concept that you attract like. So if you're not feeling grounded in yourself, we're not necessarily like, but you don't necessarily attract, like if you're really taking care of yourself and you're, you're strong in yourself, you're more likely to find someone that is compatible to that. But if you don't have an anchor and you're just floating off, you might wind up having someone that's going to hold that balloon. <laughs> that's very possible. Yeah. Or right. Or someone that will consciously or unconsciously take advantage mm of your passivity. Yes. Or indifference or not really being sure. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. So collectively, universally, the goal of balance is similar. And what happens, what's, what's a cue to you that there is a lack of balance, that there is some sort of imbalance? What starts to happen? Maybe you start to have panic attacks. Mm. Maybe you start to get really reactive and irritable with the people you love or your coworkers or whoever it may be. That's usually a cue. And you use that. Oh, there's, there's that thing. Oh, maybe there's something that I'm not seeing here. What's this really about? We're talking about things that, that are easily generalized to be able to say, ah, you should do this. You need to have balance. You have to. And the thing is that without that imbalance, you're not going to know how to go towards evolving and transformation. Very true. Right? Very true. The thing that creates the pull and the drive to grow. So it's okay. It's not a bad thing. No, I, I always say that you got to almost honor your mistakes and honor the imbalance in order to appreciate the, the balance that you can create or the correction and growth that you get from it. And the process. <laughs> right. And there's such beauty in that. It's just beautiful. I think that's one of the reasons why I feel that um, especially women celebrating other women is so incredible because I think that for myself, at least, I find that we recognize it. We recognize it a little bit quicker than most. I think that we tend to uh, see that someone overcoming and finding it and how amazing that is. So with that being said, this was such a great conversation and I'm so grateful that you came in today. I encourage everybody to look for Dr. Dardashti 
and see some of her books that I did actually look up your books as well. And for some of her social media uh, channels as well. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Never forget everything you want to be. You already are. You are simply on the path of uncovering it. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Beauty Uncovered. To know more about Olaplex and its beauty technology, visit olaplex.com. You can also subscribe to get the latest updates on emerging beauty trends and innovation. Join us again next time as you continue to uncover your unique beauty here on Beauty Uncovered.